Are you tired of losing your rights and freedoms? The Alberta Prosperity Project has a solution for you. Join the community and learn more at albertaprosperityproject.com. And with you on board, we can achieve freedom and prosperity for all of us. Good morning, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Rebel News Daily live stream. It's Monday, which means I'm your host, Sheila Gunnarid, and I'm joined by my friend in Calgary, Adam Sos. Adam, how's it going? Oh, it's going absolutely wonderful. No complaints. How are you? Oh, I'm great. It, it would appear if people have been watching before we came on the stream, um, if people had joined to watch the um, Patrick Brown live stream about his future, my prophecy, my predictions have been fulfilled. I said that he was going to run for mayor again because he just feels that it is his, it's his entitlement. He must be elected to be in charge of something. That's what, that's yep. like his reason for existence. And even after all Today's the scandals, even, even after the scandals, the reason he had to, well, that he was kicked out of the Conservative Party leadership race, and then basically proroguing city council to avoid answering questions about, um, were you paying city staff while they were on the payroll of the city? to work on your campaign. He's been canceling uh, city council meetings to avoid answering that question. And now he comes out and announces that he's going to run for mayor. I mean, just the gall how, of this guy, he won't go similar, away. How similar is this guy to Justin Trudeau in this like perpetual, just like, I can't be wrong, I don't make mistakes. He's just dodging the fact that he was thrown out for all of his continued sneaky Patrick Brown behavior. Um, and then he comes out not to address it, but to be like, we're so excited to be moving forward. And this is the next decision that I've made, the next step for me and my family. Listen, you can criticize Jason Kenny here in Alberta just about as much as you want. Uh, but when when he sensed the tide had turned and he was no longer wanted, he probably could have held on to power. He probably could have done what Pat Brown is doing Um some argue the fact that he's carrying on his interim. He is doing that a bit, but uh, at least he had the decency to say, you know what, I'm not their guy anymore. I'm going to mosey on Pat Brown. Not even an ounce of that humility. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's it's unbelievable, man. Hopefully the uh, the the residents of uh, Brampton know a little bit better, but uh, I don't know. This guy's just one of those guys who just doesn't seem to go away. Um, we'll talk about him a little bit more here, um, but I should tell mm -hmm. everybody what we're doing here. And as um, it is on some Mondays around here, the show today is brought to you by our friends at the Alberta Prosperity Project. Um, this is the Rebel News Daily Livestream, wherein we talk about the news of the day, sometimes as the news is breaking with the case of Patrick Brown. Um, and uh, it gives us a chance to interact with each other. It's sometimes the news is best talked about unscripted. And it gives you a chance to support the work that we do completely willingly. So we're currently streaming on YouTube, but if we get to a point where there are things that, you know, we can't talk about on YouTube because it's not the um, public square of ideas anymore. It's a censorship platform. So if we get to a point where we're getting into the red zone on YouTube, don't worry because we're still streaming on Getter. And if you watch us on Rumble and Odyssey, you can also support the work that we do out of the goodness of your heart, because you want us to keep going and doing that work. 
Um, you can leave us a rumble rant and that's their paid chat and we'll leave it on or we'll read it on air. And on Odyssey, their paid chat is called the hyper chat. So if you leave us a rant or hyper chat, we'll show it on screen and Adam or me will do our very best to answer your question, comment, or hear your story idea. So that's it. I don't know if you caught that, Adam, but Patrick Brown said that he doesn't want to, I don't know, take the conservative movement in the direction of Ted Cruz Why? or Donald Trump. And I'm like, so you don't want to be uh, successful. You don't want to, you don't want to win um, because yeah. Ted Cruz, he's a pretty reliable winner in Texas. Uh, people really seem to like him. He's actually uh, a, a constitutional traditionalist and uh, he's got also got a very successful podcast. So I, you know, I don't know. I, I feel like saying we don't want to take the party in the direction of these successful Republicans. I think that's a bad argument to make. I mean, Pat Brown makes Josh Hadid look like Ted Cruz. Um, this guy <laughs> right. was going to this guy. I mean, if Justin Trudeau isn't is the patriarch of Western separatism, which is kind of a joke going around because under Justin Trudeau's reign, we've seen uh, Western separatism and push. Uh, the significant push for sovereignty, yeah. independence, more rights, just skyrocket under Justin Trudeau. Well, if Pat Brown became the leader, he would be just as bad towards the West. And I think that would definitely be the straw that would break the camel's back, so to speak. Um, so, I mean, Olivia, there's a few sorry, other Adam, people. To cut you off. Sorry to cut you off. Olivia says we yeah. should go back to Patrick Brown live. Oh, okay. Let's do it. That we're ready uh, to serve, continue to, to continue to serve the city of Brampton. Mr. Mayor, mm -hmm. your name's still going to be on the ballot. Mm -hmm. um, you did sign up for the ballot. There's a potential that your name will have been checked off the lot. Mm -hmm. If not, you might even win. Mm -hmm. You're not going to signed up compared to the name of your What would your thoughts be to those people that checked off your name? So, there are many. Uh, new members of the party who joined the party for the first time thinking that the party could take a different approach um, and uh, for them they've lost that they've lost their voice they've lost their opportunity um, but uh, that is a decision um, that the establishment of the Conservative Party made and um, I'm moving on from uh, that chapter and now just focused on making sure that I can give every opportunity uh, to the residents of Brampton Um, there was a reason that was manufactured, and I think uh, um, the legal team that uh, um, is dealing with the party uh, was very clear uh, that there was no wrongdoing, there was no breach of Elections Canada, um, and I have complete confidence in Marie Hennon and her team um, that uh, uh, that that will be made abundantly clear. Well, right now, my uh, focus is going to be on the city of Brampton, and that does mean working with all parties. Over the last four, four years, when I was removed from um, partisan politics, because municipal politics is nonpartisan, um, I had an enjoyable time working with all parties, and my goal will be, in the years ahead, to work with any party, whether it's green, orange, blue, or red, whoever can serve the city of Brampton, and that will be my approach. I'm ready to sit down with anyone um, that can put Brampton in a better position. That's his, that's his political policy as well. Where we're going to put him in a better position and set down on. 
So Jean Charest is a good friend. I believe he shares many common values, and I did share with my team that they uh, certainly have my blessing to um, get involved uh, with any candidate that they believe shares the same inclusive values that I do. So we do need to have an investigation into why the Integrity Commissioner um, was um, fired um, for doing her job, why the city solicitor was fired for doing his job. Um, I believe residents of Brampton will render their verdict on what I believe was inappropriate conduct by some councillors. The Superior Court has clearly said that they were wrong, and I, I certainly am going to support uh, investigations into that uh, disappointing behaviour. Are there any other uh, questions? Are there any other questions? To go back to an earlier question, is there any reason the people of Brampton should not believe that running for mayor is, is a plan B backup for you? So, you know, it was the residents of Brampton that encouraged me to try to bring a Bill Davis style approach to the federal Conservative Party. And as the residents of Brampton who have said, if the party doesn't want to go down that path, then uh, come and serve our city. And so it's the residents of Brampton that I'm taking my encouragement to. And I feel very optimistic that we're going to have a great result in October that will put the city in a very strong position. If you win re-election, I think some questions have been ignored. I don't know where they're from. But if, if you become mayor again, would you shut down any audits uh, into, into a into any financial activity from you on behalf at the Brampton City Hall, possibly connected to the federal race, would you let those audits go in? So first of all, those are ludicrous claims that have no credibility pushed by political adversaries. Uh, let me be very clear. We're going to insist on an investigation to the wrongdoings of the councillors that removed the integrity commissioner for people that make nonsensical arguments about Brampton's lobbying to get a med school I am proud that Brampton landed a med school. And it was Premier himself, Premier Ford, when he called me to tell me the news the day before the provincial budget, and he said, um, in terms of your Brampton U proposal, you're not going to get a university today, but how does the med school sound? And I said, I'm elated. And, I, and I'll be proud to run on the fact that our council unanimously supported a proposal to bring a university to our city. We spent less than the previous council on that advocacy, but we actually got results. I will never, ever be disappointed in the fact that this council delivered a medical school to, to our city. And I want to actually give credit uh, to Councillor Santos and Councillor Singh. If it wasn't for their relentless advocacy in terms of getting um, on Brampton, if it wasn't for their relentless advocacy, there'd be no med school in Brampton. This is the first new med school in the GTA in 100 years, and we're proud of it in Brampton. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Thank <laughs> you. Oh, boy. Now, I'm very happy to be here in Brampton and to support my city here in Brampton. Okay, that's good. I was just curious if he was going to say something ridiculous about Rebel News. Um, just on you know, that, pretend, he's pretending that didn't happen. On the integrity commissioner scandal, 
this is something that has been glossed over, I think, and it should be much more in the spotlight. I can't believe given what sort of shook out with the integrity commissioner in Brampton that he even still decided to run. And I can't believe that it's not a, was not a bigger campaign issue. Uh, I'll just give everybody the Coles notes version. The pointer did a really great job on this. Brampton fires uh, integrity commissioner Maniza shake despite legal threat. So Following two hours of closed session discussions Friday, Brampton County, this is way back in March, by the way. So, uh, you know what? Was David Menzies asleep at the switch? This seems like a story he would have been all over, too. Anyway, Brampton councillors voted to terminate the contract of the city's integrity commissioner. The move comes two days after closed meeting discussions regarding the election or the integrity commissioner spilled over into public session with councillors Michael Paleshi and Rowena Santos. Those are the ones that he just congratulated for supporting him, by the way revealing that others had moved to end Sheikh's employment with the city. Their disclosure, by the way, appeared to violate closed session rules that prohibit divulging most communication that takes place in camera. After learning that this is crazy, she billed Brampton taxpayers $321,600 in 2020, her first full year on the job, and then $340,000 in 2021 for the part-time role. She maintains while simultaneously working as a partner in her law firm. Gets better. <laughs> Gets better. Following Pileshi's statements, Sheikh contacted all the members on council to intimidate them, it would seem. First in email correspondence, then through a letter threatening legal action should they vote to end her relationship with the city. So she's trying to intimidate elected council members. Then she said, I, in the letter it said, I have every intention of litigating any potential illegal decision made tomorrow and holding the city and individuals of council rep, uh, responsible for any damages that may ensue as a result of the unlawful termination of my contract. Sheikh said in an email to all councillors obtained by the pointer. The motion to end the contract brought forward Friday in a special meeting by councillor Martin Medeiros carried five to three. With councillors Medeiros, Doug Willens, Charmaine Williams, Pat Fortini, and Gurpeet Dillon in favor, while councillors Paul Vicente, Michael Pileshi, and Har Karat Singh voting against. It's and again, Patrick Brown seems really uptight about the uh, integrity commissioner being booted, but he wasn't even in that vote. It, this gets better though, because this is so like perfectly sneaky, Patrick Brown. Can we put this back up? Uh, let's keep going. Uh, the count, the conduct of these council members raises a substantial concern about conflict of interest and procedural fairness. Um, Councillor Martin Medeiros told the pointer that he and Councillor Pat Fortini each received separate anonymous complaints against them Thursday morning, the day after the procedural action was take was taken to set in motion the dismissal of Shake. Uh, the timing of our complaints is pretty obvious as to what certain members of council council have been trying to do. You're not even allowed to file an anonymous complaint. <laughs> he questioned why some members are so concerned about bringing in a new integrity commissioner. Individuals who fill these roles change all the time. I understand this is part of an intimidation campaign, as today's decision shows. A majority of the council members will not be intimidated by other council members in our responsibility to represent the in, in the interests of Brampton taxpayers. All the members who voted against terminating Sheikh's contract are aligned with Brown, who has been criticized for allowing Sheikh to rule on complaints against him. This is where we get into sneaky Patrick Brown stuff and, mm -hmm. and why 
someone with the questionable integrity should probably not be your elections or your integrity commissioner. Uh, as the two are linked through past connections, naturally. Sheikh's husband's company was paid to do the work, do work for the Ontario PCs when Brown was the party leader, and she publicly came out in Brown's defense when he faced allegations of sexual misconduct that lead to has that led to his downfall from provincial politics. Brown denies the allegations. Brown and Sheikh have appeared publicly together at events, and he uses a picture of the two of them together on at the podium of one such outing for a previous political campaign website. Well, there she is. Um, we don't need to hear about Duff Conacher. He's a union activist, but blah, 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 blah. And then, of course, as we scroll down, they go back to, um, I think that she's the integrity commissioner, however, that ruled that Patrick Brown didn't really do anything wrong mm-hmm. when we... Uh, Okay, so the hockey bag, it's in the caption here. The hockey bag next to Patrick Brown in the Rebel News video, it was filled with equipment and it had Patrick Brown's name on it. But Maniza Shake, the integrity commissioner that was just filed, is the one that accepted Brown's explanation that it was someone else's bag, even (laughs) though the players were already in their equipment when Brown arrived late and it literally had his name on the bag. This is the woman. And so the other, and she's like billing almost $400,000 or $350,000 for a part-time job. Um, and she's linked to Brown through her husband. She's appearing in his campaign literature. The counselors are like, this is the opposite of integrity. Um, and she goes on this intimidation campaign in the fiefdom of Patrick Brown of Brampton. And he is today defending her at the podium. This is why people don't want yeah. him around. He's so sneaky. Everything he touches just gets corrupted. His campaigns may as well be how dumb are you? Like anyone voting for this guy at this point, <laughs> he is he's a character. Like he makes Trudeau look like not a half bad guy. If I had to pick who to have a beer with, it would be a tough draw because Trudeau at least acknowledges that he is a snowflake liberal whatever you want to call him um he does that to a to a horrible extent but he's up front about it um patrick brown continues to parade around as a conservative uh and, and there's nothing particularly conservative about his politics in fact when there are conservative politicians he shuns them and he tries to emulate the great heroes of conservatism like Aaron O'Toole. Oh, wait, no, they absolutely basically ended conservatism and now people like pierre polyavra um, Maxine Bernier, some of the leadership candidates, very much more along the lines of Ted Cruz are bringing conservatism back. But this guy, it's it's unbelievable that this guy carries on. And when he answered that question about whether this was a plan B, of course it was. He wants to sure. get the hell out of Brampton. He literally wanted to get the hell out of Brampton. He tried provincial politics. He's tried federal politics. He's like, no, no, I always wanted to be here. I'll settle, settle for being mayor of your town. I mean, frankly, the way things are going People in cities in this country, for some reason, vote for abusive leadership the same way Alberta stays in an abusive relationship with Ottawa. I don't know why we do it, but, oh, I sure hope that the people in Brampton wake up and smell the fresh air, maybe smell a little coffee while they're at it, come to their senses, uh, because this is what this guy does. He gets caught over and over and over. I don't know why he's being taken seriously as a politician at all, because he is just the worst. He's a caricature of bad, corrupt politics. I just don't know why, like, does he not have somebody around him who says, you know what, Patrick, let's just go into 
lobbying or something, you'll make decent money, but we need to get your face away from these cameras and you need to get your family away from this. You are out of control. It's like he's addicted to being elected to something and then being in charge. But once he gets there, he just mm -hmm. corrupts everything he touches. It's, it's like he's human mold. It's you just touch it and then the mold's on it. It's why he wants to be in power and why he needs to get elected. Though. Like these, this political class with all these ethics violations, Justin Trudeau, like it, it, we're, you, you can look right now and we can, we can probably let people know Pat King uh, is going to be released on very strict bail conditions. But you look at Pastor Archer Pavlovsky, you look at Tamara Leach, who by the time her bail hearing comes up, will have spent 48 days overall cumulatively behind bars by July 25th. You look at the treatment those people are getting. Most of these politicians have done far worse things repeatedly, and that's even only on the front of COVID-19 infractions. Um, like they're, they're categorically worse, but we live in this society where for some reason politicians are exempt from the same standards. In fact, they're exempt from more standards than, than would land you and I in jail. Um, it's absolutely shocking to see that this is happening here, but this is why this guy wants to be in power. Once you get a taste of this, make a call and yeah. make a ticket go away. The laws don't apply to you. Um, you can write everything off. You can expense these jet trips, all of this stuff. Like there's almost nothing uh, in the corporate world. You can make you can make more money. Don't get me wrong. But you can't just do this blanket, absurd right. spending exempt from the law. Do whatever you want. Power grabbing nonsense. And it's insane that we've come this far, that we're seeing cities spending so much money, governments provincially spending so much money. Obviously, the federal government under Justin Trudeau, the absolute worst. But these people should not have access to resources so uh, excessively that they can do these insane things they're doing. It's, it, it's almost worse than Justin Trudeau. And I can't even believe I'm going to say this because Justin Trudeau actually sort of leads with his chin on this stuff where he just says, so I did it. So what are you going to do to me? Yeah. He, you know, yeah. like he does blackface and I think, he led, I think he led with his chin into the barber too. But anyways, that's another. Story. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's another thing too. His barber <laughs> is obviously a conservative voter out to get him. That's my but theory. On I think that. you're right though. Sorry. You're, I think you're right though. It's worse. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think Justin Trudeau, uh, I, he does not deny that he is corrupt and that he is unethical and that he's done blackface. He just sort of says, mm. you guys are still going to vote for me. I don't care. He just says, yeah, yeah, you know what? I've got one, two, three. I mean, they are Roman numeraling his ethics mm -hmm. reports at this point. And he just says, well, what, what are you going to do? $300 fine? Whatever. Uh, yeah, sure. I did blackface one, two, maybe three times. But you know what? It's a learning experience for all of us. That's one step in the right direction from Brown, who just says, no, I'm not running yeah. Brampton like it's Kazakhstan when it's pretty clear he no. is like yeah. he just his corruption knows no bounds, especially with his ethics or yeah, the ethics and integrity minister or commissioner. That's crazy that she is yeah. somebody who's directly linked to him featured in his in his information. She's charging half like her salary is unethical. Like her, her contract itself is unethical. The commissioner is unethical. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. How, and how, then how she's ruling. Here? She's the one making the ruling saying, oh, yeah, I know that totally wasn't Patrick Brown's hockey bag with his name on it. Yeah. Yeah. 
And we need to get away from this as a country because like Canada can very quickly become Venezuela and this is how. Um, we saw some of this under Redford as well, but Ontario is particularly bad. I think there's some of this in BC as well with this absolute madness, these massive salaries for part-time ethics commissioners, contracts being given out for millions of dollars willy-nilly to friends of friends with no accountability metrics. And, and, and this is stuff that there would be like serious legal investigations for. You give your friend a, a sole source contract and you know them and they cover up some questionable legal conduct as elected officials. And it's just like, you, we're going we're gonna to ask you to resign. Like if I started th stealing money from a company and then I had a couple of million dollars off in the Cayman and I was flying off. Um, they, I wouldn't get asked for a resignation and get to go live my life out. Uh, that's not how the real world works, but that's how it works for politicians. Yep. Now, speaking of Venezuela, I think that's a good segue into this next story because we're on a fast track there. We are going to be a very oil rich country with all of our assets stranded in the ground. And yeah. people are not going to be able to fill their gas tank up. Um, and it's already getting bad. So here's the story in, I pulled it up in the CBC, courtesy of the Canadian press, because uh, Global Mail has theirs behind a paywall. Um, it says, Ottawa pr proposes to cap oil and gas emissions using industry-specific carbon pricing system. So um, this, they, they, they say it's industry-specific carbon pricing, as in, this is not something that's going to hit you at the pump, but it will because it's going to cut into supply. Because certain things are going to quickly become unprofitable for the companies to proceed with. Certain projects are. And this is just as Alberta is starting to get back on our feet. Isn't this convenient, yeah. right? And oh. we were just saying, you know, the emissions caps are coming. They're coming. They're coming. Look at Holland. They're coming. Well, they uh, naturally, it's Justin Trudeau. So they go after oil and gas first, but farmers are always second, right? So it says yeah. Canada aims to cut emissions across all sectors. See, this is where they get the farmers. But they start mm -hmm. with, they, they, they sell it to people saying, oh, we're just going after big oil, big oil. They're scary, but they're going to get the farmers too. Canada it, aims it, to it, cut emissions across all sectors by 40 to 45% from 2005 levels by 2030. What year is this? That's very yeah. soon. Very, yeah. very soon. This is going to cost thousands of jobs. Yeah. yeah. Oh, more than thousands. Yeah, this is insane. But the thing, I, just quickly before you carry on, I just want to talk about that, the sort of industry-specific capping. What, what you have there is a categorical attack on the West because it's not going to yeah. be automotive manufacturers and steel mills in Hamilton and around Toronto. Um, it's going to be ranchers and oil companies categorically. That is part of this whole regional capping and, and specific to certain industries. This is once again just an attack on the West and it's absolutely just maddening to see how we'll revert there with this. Furthermore, they're going to have these Eastern companies that are in these schemes then selling their cap excesses to Western companies. So they're they're on a fundamental level hooping these, these industries as far as telling them they have to reduce. But then they're also saying, oh, by the way, pay more carbon taxes and also from Eastern companies that we've given a bunch of initiatives to or hydro or whatever it may be, buy carbon credits off of them. Yeah. It's, it's astounding. Um, and sorry, I'm just pulling up the, the countries Canada imports crude oil from because CBC reveals itself as very, very CBC here. If you read halfway down, it said um, the industry has work to do. 
particularly on the oil side, where Canada's heavy oils require more energy to extract from the ground than places like Saudi Arabia. Nice place. Okay, like maybe. Now, yeah, okay. So, okay, so I don't care about the energy inputs to extract from the ground when um, you are flogging women in the street for showing their faces. I don't care. I don't care. Yeah. But whatever it takes to starve that industry, I'm fine with here. I don't even care if it costs more energy per barrel than the barrel itself. As long as we are not lining the pockets of the world's worst human rights abusers. But secondarily, it's interesting that they mentioned Saudi Arabia, but they didn't mention Venezuela and they sure as hell didn't mention Bakersfield, California, where the energy inputs are much higher than Canada's oil and gas sector, particularly in the oil sands. But this isn't just about oil sands. This is also about the drilling in the eastern slopes with conventional drilling. This hits all of it. So it's not even about the oil sands. It's about crippling Canadian oil and gas while turning a blind eye to Venezuela, Bakersfield, California. And I say good for Bakersfield. I don't care about emissions. But these people yeah. say they do. And so why are they turning a blind eye to these places? Well, and then they're also they're saying, oh, yeah, all the resources to get it out of the ground. They're like, and what about tanking it over and oil exposure in the oceans? They don't say the cumulative cost and energy as far as getting it over. They just say, oh, well, this one sort of niche part of extracting it, it it's it's higher on that one front. So they're 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 very selectively choosing what they do. But I mean, the fact that the CBC is like, look, the Saudis, like, look at the the, the model of uh, what we should be following and where we should be buying all our oil from. Um, it's 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 just getting stupid at this point. Like this is they're so uh, just in line with Justin Trudeau's rhetoric and and justifying buying over oil overseas from serial human rights abusers instead of supporting our own industry, which by the way, we are paying for most of this <laughs> and have been for a long yeah. time with equalization. So they'll, they're, they're still continuing to take our money while deriding our industries. They're then taking our money and buying Saudi oil with it and then criticizing us for how much energy it takes to extract the oil from the ground. Now, approximately, listen to this. Approximately 40% of Canada's refinery needs were met by imports. So 40% of the oil we refine, upgrade in this country, it's imported. Imagine how many Canadian jobs would be created just on the upstream side, in extraction side. If we could get Canadian oil to the Irving refinery where they are getting oil from, Saudi Arabia, Norway, Nigeria, Azerbaijan, and up until a little while ago, the Russian Federation. Now, the bulk of our imports come from the United States, but Saudi Arabia is not far behind. And then uh, it goes uh, Nigeria, not the best place to be a human being. And then after that, Norway. So that Norwegian oil is coming across the North Sea and it's going to... uh, the refinery on the east coast of Canada. So what if what if we had a pipeline built where we could just we're already booming in Alberta or entering mm-hmm. into boom times. And we do nat- we do natural resource extraction here, the best in the world. Imagine the Albertan jobs that would be created just to yeah. supply 
that one oil refinery and they won't do it. Instead, they're coming after us as we try to pull ourselves out of this Trudeau and Notley caused recession. Yeah, it's, you know, there's no reason whatsoever, with the exception of maybe our American allies for the sake of nation sort of camaraderie, that we are buying oil from anywhere on this planet at all, period. Like any government, any federal government that is buying oil from Saudi Arabia is categorically inept. And I I apply that in blanket terms. And I include the conservatives in that because the conservatives are doing it as well. Any politician who is not speaking out against buying foreign oil while we sit on resources while people are suffering and while our country wants for money and is dealing with recession and all this stuff is inept. And I, I state that unapologetically regardless of which party you belong to, that, as far as anyone concerned about fiscal policy, that is the principal concern for this nation, full stop on the fiscal front. It doesn't matter, literally, the the, the minor shifts in spending, all those other things are very secondary to the immense wealth that could be generated by only using Canadian oil in Canada. Politicians need to wake up on this and need to take action on this front realistically other than yeah sure cutting some spending but really nothing else matters economically in this country compared to the wealth that would be generated by that and the jobs that would be generated by that and then they wonder why we want to leave then they wonder why we want to go and there's also to your point the human rights considerations like canada despite justin justin trudeau's personal conduct and what he does to people and what his guards do to reporters and things like that canada is still one of the leaders as far as as rights covid 19 perhaps being the exception uh some of the responses but uh, compared to saudi arabia even during covid 19 things were relatively free here compared to there you certainly didn't see mass executions of people um necessarily imprisonment certainly but we shouldn't be feeding into that sort of regime when we have the resources right here it, it, there's no level on which this makes sense other than oh guess what saudi aramco made a donation to the trudeau foundation or whatever other than personal corruption personal investments personal interests um and on that front we really need to start taking serious looks at obviously the trudeau family very wealthy but politicians who are gaining immense wealth while they are in office like there's massive conflicts of interest and there just seems to be no regard or cross-examination of that whatsoever um, I, and I you know, we saw this. You... Sorry, we saw the same visceral hate for Canadian oil from Joe Biden mm-hmm. because no, d- yeah. I, I think, regardless of whether or not Justin Trudeau was somehow being enriched by all of this, and you know, just based on how slippery he is, I wouldn't be surprised to see that. But I think it goes further than that. It's a deep cultural bigotry against the West, and it it oh, you yeah. know we saw it from his dad. It's replicated in him. Progressive politicians have uh, have it, I think. We saw it from Biden. Instead of saying, yeah, we'll just finish this almost completely finished Keystone XL, he goes over to Saudi Arabia and begs them to up production. Uh, What a weak, weak thing for you to show the world as far as foreign policy goes. But I mean, that's, I think, probably the least of Biden's weakness. I think he's a man in cognitive decline, and I should report the Democrats for elder abuse. But I, I, I hate to, I, I don't want to be the person who tries to get inside the mind of a progressive. But I think it has a lot to do with elitism. You see, in Alberta, you don't have to go to university. 
to make $250,000 a year. You could just be a rig yeah. manager. And it's, it's still one of those places where hard work and uh, good choices, putting your head down, you can still make a living with your back and your hand in Alberta and a damn good living for your family. And I think yeah. those elitists in the East yeah. and in those progressive circles, they really despise the power that the oil industry gives to blue collar people. They don't like yeah. it whatsoever. And they keep trying to starve the industry that gives these people that they, the serfs, it's the how serfs get power really well, is through the oil yeah. industry and that they don't like it one bit. Well, Justin Trudeau has far more in common with some big oil baron in Saudi Arabia who is happy to abuse people's rights, as sure. we've seen by all of his conduct, than he does with working class people trying to provide for their family. That's why he, he relates to these people. That's why he likes these people. That's why likely, and I mean, I'm sure when you look at the net worth of Justin Trudeau, before he became leader of this country and after, it's not going to be the accumulated wealth of his salary over those years. It's going to be quite a bit more. That's That happens with almost every politician who enters uh, leadership on a national level, which is troubling to say the very least. But they, these people certainly identify far more closely with abusive global leaders than they do with average Joes trying to take care of their family. That's why they do business with these people. It categorically is, not to get into the cultural clash Marxism sort of stuff, but there is this overwhelming malice towards anything Western from Easterners, not all by any sort of the imagination, no, but no. certainly the Ottawa Laurentian elite um, who are who are just malicious. They, I mean, they hate some of their own people, but they're right next door to them and they pay the bills to some extent. So they're willing to put up with them. But they, they have so much unmerited and directed malice towards the West. That, by the way, is often responsible for the wealth and paying their salaries. Um, but it's so unwarranted, but it's so evident because other than bribery or malice, there's no real justification for anything that these folks are doing. It's troubling. Um, I don't know if you have anything else on that. I am hearing in my ear that we are doing. No, for an I, I was just gonna. Yeah, I was just gonna say that's a great segue into um, your interview with our friend Tarek, because yeah. he is a guy who's not from here, but he came to the yeah. West and he fell in love with the West and the freedom and again the ethos that hard work and good choices can earn you a great living. And we don't care where you're from. We just care that you're yeah. here. And uh, you have a really great interview with Tarek. Um, and he, you know, he's a, a cowboy from the Middle East yeah. who came to Alberta, just fell in love with the place and never left. Oh, yeah, it's incredible. Let's sort of an ad, then we'll talk about that after. Sure, great. So I absolutely love having the opportunity to chat with you, to chat with our ever-growing audience. But I'd actually love for you to have that opportunity as well. We actually have advertising opportunities available with rebelnews.com. We don't get handouts from the government. We trust on supporters, viewers, and advertisers like you. So instead of folks listening to me in this spot, they could actually be checking out your company, getting information about your business. For more information or to advertise with us, send an email to ads at rebelnews.com. Yes, that is Tarek's horse. I believe that was Larry Bob. <laughs> um, yeah, but guys, seriously, I want to. We'll talk about Tarek's story in a second, but do consider uh, advertising with us. It's one of the ways that we keep the bills on. That we can do some of this incredible uh, work. We obviously have our team 
uh, in the Netherlands doing the Farmer Rebellion. And we're doing these incredible stories. It does cost a lot to get out there. We aren't getting a billion dollars from the from the government or the million dollar bailouts here and there. Um, we're doing this work and growing and doing very well. And it's there's definitely an opportunity for you if you have a brand that you think would align well with Rebel News, just to have your ad pop up in that spot, draw all those eyes, 10, 20,000 people watch the stream, if not more, on a very regular basis. Um, there's tons of opportunity to advertise. So ads at rebelnews.com if you're interested. But yeah. Um, yeah, just before thing. you go on, I just want to I yeah. just want to stress on your ad there. Our viewers are almost always willing to spend money with a company that isn't woke, that yeah. maybe yeah. isn't completely ideologically aligned with them, but also doesn't care about your politics. I don't, I, that's me. I don't care if a, if a company agrees with me, but I also, I do care if a company is actively advocating against me or trying to shut me up. And so as a, as a company, if you're looking to advertise and you're one of those companies that says, you know what, <laughs> we're not in the interest of going woke and going broke. We don't care what the liberals think. We don't care about your politics either. We're probably the right advertising platform for you. Yeah. Definitely. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Thanks. So getting in this conversation for people, we've talked to them a few times, but for the latest episode of The Buffalo, which is brought to us by our uh, generous sponsors uh, who are advertising with us, um, APP, Alberta Prosperity Project, um, we got, we, we're going out here and sharing these incredible Western stories. And we've shared Tarek's story before, but maybe not in like complete depth. We kind of touched on the details. He has some political involvement with the Maverick Party uh, and other organizations. But for this story, I wanted to really get his perspective because something like 10 years ago, he actually showed up. Uh, as a tourist to the Calgary Stampede um, and, and saw rodeo for the first time. Often he'd go on trips to music festivals or whatever, always to some sort of event. And he's like, he was watching a Western movie. He's like, heck, I'm going to go see a rodeo. And then he's looking up what's the biggest rodeos on earth. A couple in Vegas, Calgary Stampede. He's like, oh, I'm one of the Calgary Stampede. The Rockies there, there. I will check it out. The first time he saw a buck come fly, or uh, a rock come flying out of that chute, he immediately was like, I need to do this. So he, he, <laughs> he saw the hard work. He saw the grit. He saw it. He moved back to Dubai, sold everything, came here. And he jokingly in the video, if you watch it, if you have me, check it out. It's pretty great. Um, he says he bought his Alberta starter pack. I think he went out and bought um, cowboy boots on day one, uh, a set of tools on day two, and a truck on day three. Um, and he's That's like, all you need. <laughs> yeah, he has a, he has like a ranch hand company. He competes in the local rodeos. He's on the Airdrie Ag Society. And the incredible thing with his story is he he on day one when he arrived here, he actually sent an email, I think, or a call to the uh, Airdrie Ag Society, and the president called him right away. They went for coffee. Um, she got him right into it. The first weekend he was in Alberta, he was opening shoots at a local rodeo. Um, they helped him when he bought his first horse. They, they kind of walked him through everything. And it's incredible just how Albertan that is. This is someone from Dubai, not of this culture, who just was very much an outsider. I don't think that I don't know if there's anything else in the world where there's a complete outsider. You can call in and say, what do I do? And like the president of the local organization is like, it's so important that we get this guy in. Um, so he said that yeah. it was the most inclusive, most welcoming community. They didn't care if you were willing to do hard work. Um, you were in. So it's incredible. Lots of us maybe take Stampede for granted. Um, he saw it for what it was and was absolutely blown away. And the man loves the West. I say time and time again, he may be from Dubai. He is as Albert as they come. 
it's an incredible stampede story but uh it's incredible to see he's advocating for the west he says in the video it took about five minutes to see that alberta was getting a raw deal so not only is he a dubai kid turned alberta cowboy um he's also a political advocate for the west for alberta for these energy resources oil and engineering was his background so he carries on in those fields but it's it's truly an incredible story really it is i whenever i talk to somebody about rodeo i'm sharing his story it's just so incredible he is everything I know to be true about small town Alberta also. So when you hear yeah. people from downtown Edmonton, the NDP progressives, accusing people from rural Alberta of being a, just a bunch of backwoods hillbilly rednecks that hate um, Muslims and newcomers, the, my experience with rural Alberta could not be further from the truth. It's people who Sorry. don't know us who think those things about us. We hear that from uh, the Justin Trudeau liberals that they have all these anti-racism policies in place, not to deal with the likes of Justin Trudeau who wears blackface so many times that he lost count, but to deal with small town Alberta. And you know, Tarek's story is a monkey it. wrench in their scheme. Yeah. 100%. You know, even some of the stuff with like, oh, the Nazi flags and stuff. When I was in Milk River, when the guys were down in Coots, I'm sure it was similar in Ottawa. You would have got your teeth rearranged by a trucker if you showed yeah. up with a Nazi flag. And, and that, everything there was completely peaceful and everything. But if someone made a racist remark or was flying a Nazi flag, that's probably one of the thresholds that would have garnered the responses that they were saying these people were violent and everything. It wasn't the case the whole time. But that being overtly racist or discriminating is probably one of the things that would escalate these truckers, these cowboy folks. Um, it, it's it's really incredible just how far this went. Uh, Tarek makes a joke about all the talk about the color of his neck, but he's never felt, or, or Albert's necks, uh, but he's never felt so included, never <laughs> felt so welcome, never once heard a deriding remark. Um, he jokes that sometimes people, uh, the announcers at rodeos might get his name a bit wrong, but he's like, but that's about the extent of it. Um, he was totally and wholly welcomed into this. And like you said, I, I just don't think that there is I've never heard a better story that absolutely undermines everything they would have you believe about these small towns. They're they're so absolutely down to earth, welcoming, humble. They also and it's incredible how conservative they are. They don't want to bother you. I was having a burger in a small town somewhere, um, and there's a big family sitting at a table, and I'm sitting alone. I was between stories, um, and they're kind of looking over. But every time I'd look, they they kind of look down. But it was pretty apparent they recognized me. But they're 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 the dad's kind of saying look down. At the end, the dad walks over and just says, thanks for your work, son. And then he goes back and the family leaves. <laughs> They're very like to each their own and we'll just do our own thing. And if you need a hand, they'll be happy to come there. But yeah, so far from what they would have you uh, believe. And I think that's part of the reason that these uh, Ottawa elites, these politicians hate them is because ultimately push come to shove. Um, like we saw Milk River Coots, these people band together, even if you're the kid from Dubai um, and you're like, I want to be part of this community. They're like, well, if you're willing to roll up your sleeves, you're in, and you can't beat those types of people. People who get come together, regardless of the color of their skin, regardless of their faith, regardless of what they may like or dislike, but people who band together ultimately as a community, that is the most dangerous thing in the world for overreaching politicians. Yeah, uh, you know what? On that note, I'll just touch on the uh, Pat King hearing this morning. I was up uh, quarter to seven this morning in court because of the time change. Um, with regard to Pat King, his bail hearing was today. And much of 
what was said in court is covered under a publication ban. So as opposed to my usual deluge of tweets when I'm covering a court hearing, there was not a lot that I could touch on with regard to evidence um, or things that may be brought into the trial going forward. But Pat King has been held in jail since February, so five months on, I think it's 10, maybe it's 12, but it might be 10. And then subsequently he was charged um, later on in April with uh, perjury. And so he was released um, with some pretty serious, yes, okay, it's 16. So initially he had 10 and then others were tacked on, including some perjury um, later on in April. And uh, I tune into that. I really have concerns about what reality some of these judges are living in when they describe uh, what happened in Ottawa, the street protests with the bouncy castles and the, and the concerts and stuff and the shinny hockey and the uh, pop-up soup kitchens and uh, the, you know, picking up garbage and things like that. I have a real tough time with judges who describe it as chaos and carnage. And I sit through that all the time. And it's like, did you poke your head outside? Did you go down there? Or are you just relying on several retracted CBC uh, reports? Because the way CBC reports it versus the reality of the people who were there, very much different. I mean, she even uh, commended the police for their um, not hurting anybody when they were clearing the streets. Well, I think our Alexa Lavoie and Guillaume would probably take umbrage with that because Guillaume was pepper sprayed in the face as Alexa's videographer, Alexa, um, was shot in the leg with a crowd control pepper pepper canister at close range. That canister hit the ground and broke, which then pepper sprayed her eyes and she was struck with a baton. But, you know, this is... This is not something that police Old ladies on mobility scooters and... Old ladies getting trampled. People Andrew being Lawton dragged out of things. Yeah, Andrew Lawton. Like, it's just, it, it's like they have not, they're commenting on things that they haven't, They, I don't think they have the full breadth of information there. And they're only how, relying on certain sources. How does it happen, though? Like, how can a judge just be overtly, factually wrong? And it's, it's, it is this, like, new, it's like the same thing with the political class. And I understand there's, uh, there's protections as far as judges because they often deal with very sort of serious things and they don't want personal repercussions. But I mean, if part of your ruling is a factually errant account of the events upon which your ruling is based, that yeah. how is that? A, I mean, these are going to be thrown away in, in appeals processes eventually, but how, how as a judge can you state something that's overtly contradictory to the truth? Yeah. Um, I don't know how much I can say about the uh, conditions um, and King's condition while he was in jail, but that was a consideration for releasing him. Um, it was terrible. I, I just couldn't believe what I was hearing. Um, and it just like, you wouldn't wish it on your worst enemy. And I've been a staunch critic of Pat King. He dislikes me. I have no personal feelings about him, but I know that he doesn't like me. Um, I've debunked some of his baloney. Um, and I know Ezra has too, when he said that he got the Alberta Health Services to admit that they had no evidence of isolation of the coronavirus. 
while he was self-representing himself in court on a lockdown ticket. And basically, uh, Alberta Health Services said they have no material evidence pertaining to his case, as in, this is we irrelevant. We, yeah, this is irrelevant it's to your lockdown ticket. And we don't care. And we've got nothing to, we've got, like, there's nothing to show here. Not that we don't have evidence of isolation of the coronavirus. It's that whatever evidence we do have, it's not relevant to whatever you're arguing here today. And you didn't file the subpoena properly anyway. And so I pulled those transcripts after he went on an American news outlet and made those claims that went viral. And I thought, yeah, this is, that doesn't sound right. And, uh, I did the work. I, we got the transcripts. We read. The, I literally just read them and said, "Ah, here he's got a gross misunderstanding of the legal terminology here," um, which is why you hire and a lawyer. We read it by several lawyers yourself. too, like yeah, just yeah, to make sure we, that we do this all the time. Getting right. Yeah, there's yeah. frequently stories that come to us and they sound incredible or like, oh, this is the smoking gun. This is the coup de grace to, to put an end to all of this. Um, if something is too good to be true, what we usually do is scrutinize it as journalists yeah. should do this. If you great, if you great the CBAC or some of these other organizations tried it. Um, and sometimes these stories, like Sheila said, turn out to be factually errant. And they're, 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 there's something fundamentally wrong with them, a misunderstanding, whether it be overtly lying or unintentionally misunderstanding. Um, there's there's a degree of uh, judgment within that. But we'll often run it by lawyers and say, does this sound do. judicially correct? And, and then we bring it to you guys factually. Sorry, but carry on. Yeah. No, no. And I just, uh, a lot of people were mad at me for that. Why would you do that? People need hope. Yeah, people need hope, but not false hope. That's just snake oil. And uh, I think okay. it's unkind to, yeah, it's unkind to keep people in a, a sweet, sweet lie when they need to live in reality. And, uh, uh, you know, whether or not it was intentional or otherwise, when I contacted both the journalist and King to say, like, maybe you guys just misunderstand this. Um, I realized that some of the language they use in court is difficult. I court report all the time. So I know that it's it is difficult um, as a lay person. Um, but would you mind correcting the record? And instead I got, you know, people mad at me for that. All that is to say, none of that matters. This guy's been in jail for five months, yeah. five months. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me like child sex offenders, murderers get bail. He doesn't get bail five exactly. months. It's, it's whatever you feel. This is unjust. He's been released though today. After a two-day bail hearing last week with some pretty strict conditions, they, it's a lot like house arrest. Well, it is basically house arrest. So a uh, huge, a huge um, bail up front, no contact with other organizers, multiple sureties involved on this, checking in on him. No social media. He has to close down his website. No participation in any anti-government protests. A 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. curfew. He's basically only allowed out for medical treatment and to go to work. Um, and he has to, and he's like, that's it. And um, it, it's, the, that wasn't good enough either for Karimji. He's the uh, crown who is also on the Tamara Litch uh, file. He wanted that because some of the criticism had leveled at him because of the treatment of Tamara Lich was, 
what are you doing spending all these taxpayer dollars to fly out three or four cops in a private jet to grab Tamara Lich from Medicine Hat and bring her all the way back to Ottawa? That seems a little ridiculous over a photo. So to address that, he says, okay, well, if Pat King breaches, Pat will have to turn himself in to the Ottawa police immediately. Like if you breach and that we've decided you're in breach, you have to get yourself back to Ottawa immediately or you're in breach again. Pat King's basically indigent at this point. He hasn't been able to work. He hasn't been able to see his kids. Uh, I don't know if his medical conditions now will even allow for that. What are you doing? Making somebody responsible for the cost of their own arrest? Maybe act reasonably before you breach someone on a minor thing. Maybe leave him in the medicine or the Edmonton jail or wherever he ends up because he's going to be shipped immediately back to Alberta. Keep him yeah. there. Have him appear remotely. But flying a bunch of cops out in a private jet to bring them all back, all back to Ottawa, that seems a little ridiculous. But I thought it was interesting that that was the solution. That that, yeah. that was the thing that Karimji thought people found objectionable was the cost to the taxpayer that it should be on the, I don't know, the defendant, when it was, no, the resources you're expending on this minor BS. That's what people was mad, yeah. but he didn't, he didn't get that. There, there's going to need to be, after this all settles and all the God-willing appeals processes, which it, on some of these fronts, it seems probable with, with Arthur Pawlowski and some of the other cases, uh, Chris Scott, um, the appeals processes are likely leaning towards partial or complete success and overturning some of the things uh, we've seen before. There's going to need to be massive judicial reviews. Oh. Um, I don't know how exactly that's going to carry out, but it's absolutely essential. When Tamara Leach is being held now, and for anyone, I don't understand whatsoever, She, the, the, for those who don't recall, she took a photo with somebody that she wasn't allowed to have communication with unless her legal counsel was present and a dinner being hosted by her legal counsel with all of her legal counsel present. Some of them might be in the picture even. At face value, she didn't breach the terms of her, her bail by any metric because she was at an event with her lawyers, with her legal counsel. Um, and she's being held regardless. This is such nuanced, nitty gritty stuff. You literally have like serial sex offenders getting caught around playgrounds again while on bail. And they're hauled yeah. in tossed before a judge in like 12 hours and the judge is like don't do that again we're gonna let you go but if you and do they reoffend while on they reoffend while, while on, on bail, bail and get bail and get again bail. yeah it's insane it is absolutely monstrous um and and for judges watching some certainly do like give your head a shake like look at reality look at what look at some of your other uh, cases that you're working on and juxtapose them for just a moment with the prosecution and persecution that is going on. And I think persecution is becoming a more apropos term um, of some of these people. Um, they are going to be due, if justice is done, immense settlements when all of this comes to light, when all of this comes to fruition. And I hope these people, they've been so abused, so derided, I hope they don't, I'm not offering legal advice by any stretch, but I hope they don't sign off on time served and you get to move on with your life because this is categorical injustice. And if this continues just to carry on as it is, the judicial system will not remain 
It can't be trusted. People will not look at it the same way whatsoever. That started with the auto police. It started with the arrest of Pastor Arthur Pawlowski, James Coates, and it's gotten worse and worse and worse. This is targeted political harassment, full stop, plain and simple. I'm really well, quickly it's, running it's, out of time. Yeah, there's just one Go more ahead, thing sorry. I want to mention from the yeah. from the bail hearing. Of um, course, yeah. He cannot engage in media, any sort of media interviews. And again, yeah. I find much of what Pat King says in, well, in general, objectionable. Um, I think he gets his facts wrong almost constantly. Um, I think that he misleads people for clicks and likes. But do I think his tongue should be cut out? Not at all. And I think no. that's the difference between our side and the left is if someone says something I disagree with. I just don't listen, but yeah. they want him silenced. He can't even do media interviews to talk about the conditions that he faced in jail and what it did to him. That's outrageous. It is absolutely outrageous. Now I know why his lawyer agreed to this condition because she obviously just wants him to shut up, but that's not the point. The point is he should be able to tell the world what happened to him in there. That's yeah. the point. Yeah, this is the stuff of non-democratic nations. Exactly. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll we'll let you go, but you can't tell anybody what happened to you. What yeah. what are you hiding? What was happening? Or you go in your back prison? to jail. Or you go back yeah. to the jail. If you tell everybody what, what happened to you the first we time, to. we're gonna stick you back in there. Yeah, it's sick. Yeah, it's it's absolutely wild um wild to see what's happening in this country and again i i said this off the bat but if you're wondering how a country like venezuela goes from one of the bastions of freedom in south america with the fourth highest economy in the world to absolute communist hellhole that's falling apart eating the zoo uh, animals yeah eating zoo animals uh, and I think something like the population lost 20% of their average body weight. Not yep. that they were overweight to start with, uh, but yep. they, they, the, the population is starving. It, it's leadership like this. It's corrupt judiciaries like this. It's politicians like Pat Brown um, that that lead us down this troubling path. Um, we were talking bad, Judge. I want to talk good, Judge, for just a couple of seconds here. Um, I know we have to wrap soon. I'm sure you've got a busy day. Um, but a judge blocks the Biden directive allowing trans athletes to compete in women's sports. Some sensibility that protects people's well-being. Um, we've seen trans athletes absolutely dominating in women's sports without uh, without really anyone daring to stand in competition with them. Um, especially we've seen some of the more egregious cases with MMA where people have been absolutely beat, female athletes, particularly beaten to a pulp powerlifting competitions, cycling competitions, whatever it may be. Um, of course, there was efforts, uh, concerted efforts to prevent that. Uh, swimming organizations saying we're not going to allow this to happen anymore. There has to be thresholds. There has to be measures. Of course, Biden never wanted to address anything important and always wanted to weigh in on progressive politics, um, made eff effectively a, an order to allow people to compete wherever they want um, a judge now sort of interjecting and preventing that from moving forward. So um, there are a few sane good ones out there, to say the very least. Yeah, and I learned that about uh, public sector bureaucrats last week. There are a couple within uh, Canadian Heritage, which oversees Sports Canada, who have tried and tried and tried to be the voice of reason on this issue in Canada and the Liberals continue to ignore them and pray for those people. They're probably in a re-education camp 
somewhere just getting re-educated and diversity trained to death somewhere um, after their colleagues told on them. But I've read the briefing notes yeah. and uh, we know you're out there um, and I appreciate what you're trying to do for our daughters. Uh, you're yeah. putting your careers at great risk. Okay, let's get to uh, some of these chats because we're past yeah. the top of the hour already. So we've got uh, University gives us a buck. How dare he say he didn't do anything wrong? I hope he'll be kicked out in October. I just, you know, and it's funny how he's like, I signed up all these people to the Conservative Party of Canada who feel disaffected. You signed up low liability, low interest. Uh, yeah. not, those aren't even conservative voters. Those are just people who bought a membership. If you can't retain them after you go, you're probably yeah. not. They probably weren't conservatives because they don't even share the most basic conservative values. Well, and we know we know that there is, and, and Patrick Brown is someone who did this, uh, there are certain cultural communities where they the, their leaders of the cultural community will say, oh, this is the guy we're backing. He's, he's kind of got yep. our interests at heart. And, and they'll, they'll sell. And this is some of the sketchy stuff where you see maybe one credit card used to process a bunch, or at least they're like, oh, we've pre-gathered the funds. Here it is. Um, and suddenly you have yeah. hundreds of memberships being sold to one community. Um, those people, and I mean, we've seen it with Jagmeet Singh and Justin Trudeau, where they say, oh, we were, we were told by our faith leaders to be here. Um, I don't know if I'm really going to support them or they're heckling the people, in fact. But um, there was a lot of that. We saw that the leadership debates in Edmonton as well, where um, these communities kind of band together. And then they, that Patrick found lots of his sold memberships that he advocated for were bulk sales of that nature that people in other places, um, including Jason Kenney here in uh, Alberta, were criticized for doing. We saw this firsthand. I think it was in a David Menzies video. It might have been in a Dakota video, actually. Um, yeah. It was a Patrick Brown event. And they were asking the people, like, why do you support Patrick Brown? And he said, I don't. My mosque just told me to be here. I'm actually a PPC yeah. voter. <laughs> like and this, I thought, this isn't, that's about right. This isn't a conspiracy <laughs> theory. This is like bona fide fact. This is something. No, they tell us on like, camera. They're yeah. like, no, the mosque told us to be here, but I actually am a PPC voter. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and I don't think that people who are in cultural conservative communities who tend to be social conservatives as well, I don't think Patrick Brown would be their guy <laughs> to, to start with. Um, so anyway, uh, Aaron Burton, 32, gives us 10 bucks and says, I love how Patrick Brown brought his wife and kids to the podium. Sympathy points. Keep up the great work, Rebel. You know, uh, I just, I've got nothing but uh, pity for his um, wife and kids. And uh, sure, he brought them there for optics sake. But on the flip side, politicians do that all the time. When they do announcements about their future, they always bring their family to show like, hey, I'm a family guy. I'm doing this for my kids. That's why I care about the future. So uh, it is um, it's cynical, but everybody does it, not just him. Yeah. And lovely family, very friendly. His wife yeah. waved and smiled at the events. And it was very... Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So lovely family. We're not going to throw any shade yeah. their way whatsoever. Nope. God bless them. Nope. I generally leave the families right out of everything. Um, yeah. But they, they seem really nice. Yeah. Uh, Fraser gives us five bucks over the weekend. Another crazy bee shot three people. Thank God there was an armed civilian that shot the bee dead. Yeah. Again, armed civilian stops a bad guy, takes a good guy with a gun to stop a bad guy with a gun. That's always yeah. the case. Um, so that's why I'm such a critic of progressives who want me to outsource my safety to 
the likes of the Uvalde police, you know, yeah. <laughs> like if we learned anything from Uvalde, it's that uh, maybe the police Just aren't going to help you. Stop, stop everything. Everyone wait a second. I need to go get some hand sanitizer. So everyone watching just stop because I'm going to go do that right now instead of carrying on with stream with you is the logic of that police force. Yeah. I mean, they're looking at their phones and, and doing everything except intervening to save lives. Arresting it's embarrassing. unarmed moms who are going to go in and just do it with their bare hands. Arresting yeah. them. Yeah. And then wasn't it wasn't it a border guard who eventually showed up and yeah, stormed a border through? guard who yeah. was at the barber shop. And borrowed the barber a, shotgun. Borrowed the barber <laughs> shotgun because he got a text message from his wife. And you know what? Uh, again, I, I said this to Juan before, but the Texas border guards are the best law enforcement agency in the entire country. They've got a compassion for the people who are being trafficked across the border. But boy, when called upon to act, no matter what, they come, they help, and they are the front line in defending the homeland. They really are. Well, and this is this goes back to that note on accountability for politicians and judges. It has to happen with police too. When you have oh, yeah. Ontario, Ottawa police like laughing about putting their jack boots on and running over ladies on mobility scooters and pointing guns in people's faces who are literally parked and maybe not even involved in the protest. Um, those people need to be held to account. Those people uh, who refuse to take action to save lives, that was their job and duty at that time. They all need to be fired immediately. But yeah. it won't happen because they're part of that class that, that doesn't face accountability. Right. Uh, Alberta separatist gives us five libraries. Politicians need to be licensed like truckers, electricians, plumbers, lawyers, doctors, inspectors, and every, every other profession we trust. I don't even care about licensing because people want a journalism license and a journalism is a thing you do and not a guild you join. Um, but I think they should be licensed as a trade worker in order to be a politician. <laughs> sure. Sure. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. You know what? If you're going to license other people, World you should experience. be licensed too. Yeah. Well, police to be in police, to be in these other departments, you need like life experience and to prove you're, you're yeah. a sane and sensible person. So experience more than a drama teacher, say, to be leader of this country. I don't think that's necessarily a bad idea. On the flip side, isn't that what the electoral process and the campaign is all about? Making that case to the public as opposed to some yeah. licensing agency? True. Because yeah, who would is. be on the licensing agency but your fellow liberals, Me. right? I'll be on it. <laughs> they, never pick, they never pick like the people you want making these decisions for these sorts of things. No. Look at the PPG, Parliamentary Press Gallery, or the Alberta Legislature Press Gallery having witch hunts yeah. for for journalists they don't like, right? Like you don't want to give these people the power, but um, no. yeah, I don't know. There's my solution is always not more bureaucracy, but wouldn't it be nice if they got a taste of their own medicine sometimes? Um, and then the politicians can lose their license for not doing their job, for lying or corruption. They also need to be able to be sued. Well, they can be, just not sure. when they, yeah, just not when they're speaking like in the house. Then you have yeah. parliamentary privilege. January 777 gives us five bucks. If politicians care so much about environmental impacts, why are they dropping cyanide and heavy metals on us globally in the form of chemtrails? Okay. Um, Fraser gives us a buck talking about products I bought today. I bought the Justin Castro t-shirt. Can't wait to wear it proudly as at our next rally. We have great some shirt. great, great fun new shirts in the Rebel News store at rebelnewsstore.com. Um, I think we have a very, there's, this is one of my favorites. Come and take it. The, the church shirt. 
Um, that's on my list. I just got my promo code to order some new t-shirts and I'm, I'm filling Klaus my Schwab stuff. Yeah. The, there's Klaus Schwab stuff. There's trucker stuff. Um, there's farmer stuff. There's church stuff. So all those simple that liberties. That shirt with the little steer is so good. I love that I shirt. love it. I love it. Some of the yeah. faves. I got compliments when I was out and about wearing that shirt. <clears throat> and then we've got one from Alberta Dawn. Gives us two bucks. Where's Jason Kenny on this nitrogen fertilizer issue? Western premiers need to say hell no. The West will see how it works out in Ontario and Quebec, and then we'll talk. Yeah. And then January 777 gives us two bucks. When Trudeau gave $1 billion to the provinces to initiate the vaccine protocol, 10 provinces, uh, $100 million per province. Where did the Alberta funds go, Jason Kenny? Well, it just went into general coffers. And actually, I think it was a billion dollars per province. Was it not? Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I, I think, think it was a so. billion dollars per province if you brought in. It was to support the implementation of the vaccine passport system. And it just, I think it just went into general revenue. And this goes to how insanely high the spending is. Um, I did ask Travis Taves about the $4 billion in spending allegedly missing uh, over covid uh, COVID response uh, mechanisms, supplies, all that stuff. He did assure me that there is an update coming and everything is accounted for. Um, so the money is not missing as original report stated, but a, a billion dollars is not a lot of money, even in a province of 4 million people in this day and age. They spend unimaginable sums of money. Um, and that that's part of the problem, to be honest. Sure it is. Okay, I think that brings us to the end of the show. Um, Adam, thanks so much for coming along on this wild ride. And, you know, we had some breaking news to cover off at the very beginning. I want to thank very, um, very much our sponsor today, the Alberta Prosperity Project, um, for all of your um, Western independence needs. Head on over to their website. Um, and they also have a very um, uh, enthusiastic sort of uh, social media following on their Facebook page. They uh, do a lot of live broadcasts of their events. So if you can't make it out to one, you can see the re-recording over there. Um, thanks to everybody at home who tunes in to watch the show every day. Thanks to everybody in the studio in Toronto and behind the scenes everywhere else, really throughout the world. We're a global company now who uh, does the things that they need to do to make sure that our stream is available for you to watch. Thanks to everybody who chipped in to keep the lights on over here at Rebel News and again around the world in our specific locations. Um, we'll, I guess, yeah, I think I'm here tomorrow. I'll see everybody tomorrow. I think I'm on air with David Menzies. And as David Menzies always says, stay sane. So I've always wanted to be a people helper. I've always wanted to help people. So naturally firefighter and EMT that just fell into my wheelhouse. Um, but over the last few years, I've noticed, especially with the, the Calgary department, it's turning more into a corporate business unit. And it's not about serving the needs of the citizens. Sure, the guys, uh, like my brothers, we're there, rain or snow, we're there for the people. But sometimes it just feels like the agenda is getting pushed from administration to be more of a business unit. And I don't like the way the direction was going.